everybody. Welcome to our second episode of Creation Care Conversations. I'm Jenna Van Donselaar, a recent graduate of Yale Divinity School and the CT field organizer for Young Evangelicals for Climate Action. And I'm Doug Clark. I'm a retired UCC pastor living in Guilford, Connecticut, a self-described tree hugger. I'm also a volunteer trail manager for the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. And as Jenna said, welcome to this uh, second in our series of conversations about creation care and, and climate justice. Most of us at some point in our lives learn to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So, <laughs> so our theme for today's creation care conversation is, what does the Bible tell us about God as creator? of all things seen and unseen. What does the Bible tell us about human beings as creatures who God created in God's own image and likeness? So in our last episode, part of what we talked about was um, reading the book of nature through the lens of science. And in this episode, we're gonna be talking about reading the book of scripture through the lens of experience, which experience includes obviously a lot of things and including education. So where we're gonna go is each of us is gonna read a passage from the Bible and reflect on how this text connects with our experience. And we're gonna have some dialogue back and forth because Jenna and I have had different experiences when it comes to uh, scripture. So Jenna, why don't you get us started? Yeah, thanks, Doug. So the first verse or passage of scripture that comes to mind for me when thinking about God and creation is um, Psalm 8. Um, I remember memorizing this verse and I think third grade, I went to a Christian elementary school and um, I remember thinking like, oh, like just repeating, oh Lord, our Lord. So the the passage goes like this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, for you have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise um, to silence the foe and avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And that's how I memorized it. And I, I'm looking at, um, we, have, we have a document of a whole bunch of different scripture verses and I see it's a little bit different than the translation Doug has here, but, um, and I wonder if my teacher had like sliced out parts that weren't as interesting or something. But um, <laughs> um, what I'm thinking about, what I think about with this is, um, going up to the mountains in Colorado, which is where I grew up, and going out where it's very dark um, at night and looking up into the stars and seeing, you know, you can actually see the Milky Way, you can see all the stars, and just thinking about how absolutely small I was and how absolutely big God must have been. Um, and there's that passage of like the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Um, and I think that that verse really speaks to sort of this relationship between um, God, humans, and nature in a really interesting way. And Doug and I were briefly talking before about how this, it's, it's complicated because we read that verse and it's like, oh, 
creation is amazing and God is amazing and yet um, we're set as rulers. But what does that really mean? And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Doug, and um, what that makes, what that brings up for you as someone who cares deeply about creation, about this relationship between humans and creation as set. Yeah. Well, like you, um, I've had some experiences um, where I've been outdoors and can really see the Milky Way. And so when I read this text, um, I just try to imagine what this was like for someone who lived, you know, thousands of years ago when there was absolutely no light pollution at night. And what would you see when you looked up in the night sky? It would just be absolutely amazing to see all the stars and you know, the ancient Hebrew understanding was, well, there's this dome above the earth and the stars and the moon and the sun are set in the dome and, um, you know, the rain, there's water above the dome and water under the dome. I mean, it's a beautiful understanding of the, you know, the poetic understanding of the universe. Um, but then, so I love this. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, this is the New Revised Standard Version, by the way, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? And yeah, I mean, how can you not ask that question when you're looking up at the night sky, especially if you happen to be out in the wilderness where there's no light pollution. But then the psalmist says, yet you have made them, us, a little lower than God and crowned them, us, with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And that that kind of sense of, you know, we are we are just a little bit less than than God, God's self. Um, I don't know. I, 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 you know, as you said earlier, you, you look up at that night sky and it, and it makes you think how great God is and how small I am. And yet there's this sense that, yeah, we may be small, but God has given us dominion and put all things under our feet. Now that, I think that meant something a lot different in its original setting, agricultural, pastoral setting than it does in today's world where we, you know, use dominion to justify extracting fossil fuels and all the ways in which we harm nature. So it's just, I, I have a, I kind of argue with the, with the psalmist. I think, you know, you, you and I really agree. Well, who are we that God is mindful of us? But, you know, this dominion thing, I just, I have a problem with that because I see the ways in which it's been, uh, I think, misused um, mm -hmm. in the course of Christian history. So, um, but again, I love that sense of who are we, oh God, that you are mindful of us. And I would probably answer that question in a different way than the psalmist does. But anyway. Yeah. Of, oh, we're we're rulers. That's who we are. Yeah, we're <laughs> rulers. sort of how the psalmist answers right. it. But I think he's, or whoever the psalmist was, um, is bringing up something interesting, though, of this degree of power that humans do have over creation that I think we do see of um we do have the ability to you know impact the beasts of the field and the sheep and oxen everything that swims we've we've touched pretty much every part of this earth um and that's 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 powerful i think um whether or not that's a good thing it seems like the psalmist thinks oh that's a good thing 
Um, but it is recognizing that God didn't have to um, like think about us and yet God gave us the ability to impact the rest of creation. Yeah, it, yeah. And, and it's interesting that um, I think you've also worked, well, you've worked with the um, Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, and I'm sure you're familiar with the Journey of the Universe course mm -hmm. and program and so on. And in that, um, they quote Thomas Berry, who's an amazing eco-theologian. And one of the things he says it, 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 it is that human beings are the unfolding cosmos become conscious of itself. And I'm, I really, that intrigues me. Um, so, you know, we are the, the universe having become conscious of itself. And then I was reading uh, in a book I have on Franciscan spirituality um, that human beings are described as creation becoming conscious of itself. So I, you know, this is really an interesting concept that, that we have this consciousness that apparently nothing else in creation has, at least we certainly know that seems to be the case here on the only, you know, part of the universe that we really know a lot about, our home planet. Um, but what I think is it's wonderful that we have become conscious of all these things, that we can have these moments of actual extreme awe and gratitude for all that God has given us. But then how do we answer the question out of that sense of awe? Well, why are we here? What is the purpose of this consciousness of this power that we have to, to modify and really significantly change our environment, which we've unfortunately haven't done very well, at least in the, you know, since the beginnings of the industrial revolution. So, uh, but it's it's fascinating to to wonder, um, and of course the Bible has a lot to say about who we are and what we're supposed to be doing, and has a lot to say about, you know, not only about our relationship to all that God has created and to God, but also to our neighbors, our fellow okay. human beings, and the importance of doing justice, um, and you know, dealing with economic disparities, which are problems that we're that we're addressing even today. So. Um, I think there's there's such um, such a lot of thought given to this in scripture, um, and it's not all one, you know, it's not all in one voice. I mean, there are different perspectives on on who we are and why we're here. Um, oh, anyway, that's that's. You see, I, I you know, I used to be a preacher because I can talk at length. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> well seasoned in preaching, yeah. Um, Doug, yeah. do you want to share a verse um, for us to discuss that's meaningful for you about creation? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> you know, I was telling John and I were talking earlier. I was talking about the the book of Job. Okay, and um, those of you who are familiar with Job know that um, you know Job just had all kinds of suffering, and his good friends came and tried to console him, and they brought with them all kinds of orthodox theology and. None of it kind of worked for Job, and Job finally said, "Look, you you know, thanks guys for your help, but I really want God to talk to me, to answer my questions, to respond to me, to tell me why this has happened to me." And you know, the old expression is, "Be careful what you wish for, because you might get it." Job gets his answer, and God answers him out of the whirlwind, and says to him, "Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge?" Gird up your loins like a man. 
I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? The first few times I read that, I thought, gee, God, here's this poor guy asking you why he's suffering. And you just give him this whole speech about, you know, all that you've created. Um, you're not answering his question. But as I've come to read that text more in the sense of the environmental crisis that we face, I realize that, that, you know, God is helping Job to understand that he is a part of this huge, immense creation. Um, Job didn't make any of this. We humans didn't make any of this. And, you know, we, we just sort of need to say, okay, um, you know, this is an amazing work that God has done in creating all these things. And, um, you know, at the end, Job says, um, I have, you know, I have heard you, God, and, and uh, now I repent in dust and ashes. And, um, one commentary I was reading earlier by a Jewish author says that Job's problem is the human problem of arrogance toward creation. Um, and we have to be reminded sometimes that, you know, we didn't create this. We're here as a part of creation, but we didn't make this. And take that together with other texts and, you know, we're here to, to take care of this um, and and to take care of one another. And that's that's so important to understand um, that we we've, we've have this problem of arrogance and we need to take it seriously. And then, okay, let's see who we really are. So that's uh, my evolving understanding of God's speech to Job out of the whirlwind. Yeah, at first it doesn't seem like God's being very pastoral in Job's time of crisis. Because <laughs> right. right. like, yeah, you might be, like, you might have lost all your kids and everything you have, but like, look at what I made. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't, yeah. Excuse me. But <laughs> yeah, like you said, um, it's a reminder of, of Job's, Job's place in um, something that's, that's much more complex and intertwining and bigger, um, which maybe wouldn't be comforting, but it's, <laughs> <Right>. it's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So another text, Jenna, that, uh, that has really spoken to you. Yeah, well, I was thinking a lot about, um, I mean, when I think a lot about um, creation care, the verse that I always think of is, um, Micah 6 verse 8 and I think that that's often not quite thought of as um, in terms of creation but um, it's really come to weave its way into my way of relating to the world um, and humans and the rest of creation as together um, and so Micah 6 8 is he has shown you mortal what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So I think about my neighbors who are either a tree or a person or animals. Um, and what does it mean to act justly and love mercy towards my neighbors? What does it look like as someone who lives in Connecticut to act justly and love mercy when looking at um, New Haven Sound? Um, what does it mean to act justly and love mercy when looking at 
um, the Black Lives Matter protests and what's going on in Bridgeport right now and walking humbly with God through that um, as a way of relating to the world. Yeah, I think that's, um, for many of us, that Micah 6-8 is kind of the whole summary of the prophetic message. You know, mm -hmm. what does God require of us but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God? And I, I always like to add the word together at the end, to mm -hmm. walk humbly together with God, because it's a, this is not a solitary journey that we're on. It's right. a, it's a, it's a communal journey. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a profound reminder of, um, you know, justice, kindness, and humility are so important. And, but then, of course, we got to figure out, well, what, how do we act justly, as you said, toward Long Island Sound or toward, um, uh, you know, the, the woodlands and forests in Connecticut or toward our neighbors. And, you know, we know that the, the, the least among us, well, that's probably not the right word, but the, the, the people who have contributed the least to climate change are the ones who are suffering disproportionate harm from it. And we know that our black, brown, and indigenous neighbors are harmed more by climate change, by the global pandemic, and by systemic racism than um, white people like ourselves are. So it's so important to to keep in mind not only our love for all that God has created, but our love for one another, and especially our our neighbors that uh, you know the prophets pointed to, our, and Jesus pointed to, are victims of injustice. So yeah, that's that's um, that's a very important text, both for creation care and creation justice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're almost at our end of our time here together, but this has been a really great um, conversation with you, Doug. And yeah. maybe we'll have a second episode of Scripture because it's where we're looking through. There's so much um, richness um, in the Book of Scripture that we could talk about. Yeah. Um, in terms of creation care and loving our neighbor and loving creation and what that relationship looks like. What it looks like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I look forward to that. But one thing I know, what the Bible tells me so, is that we human beings are precious in the sight of God. Yeah. Um, that we are called to love God and neighbor, that we're called to be faithful caretakers of all that God has created. And that includes the our neighbors who have been most harmed by the things that we humans have done. Um, and in these times of, as, as you and I have talked about, these interlocking crises of systemic racism, human-caused global warming, and this viral pandemic, well, in these times, I know that Black, Brown, and Indigenous lives matter. And those of us who are privileged and, you know, by on the basis of the color of our skin, um, really need to be much more intentional about recognizing our responsibility to care for and to be allies with um, our black, brown, and indigenous siblings. And how do I know this? Well, my conscience tells me so. Yeah. Well, thank you, Doug, and thank you to all of our listeners or watchers, if you're on YouTube or if you're listening to this as a podcast. Um, I'm so glad that you've all joined us to, for our second episode. Um, we will be um, putting out new episodes every Friday, um, so tune in um, and let us know if you have any suggestions for future topics 
Um, or if you would like to be a guest on our podcast or videos, whatever format you're listening to it as. Um, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>